Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Good morning. How's everybody? Good? I am so excited to be here today um, for a couple reasons. Uh, one, it was about three months ago, our board got together and we had done a, a board meeting up here and we have been really praying for West Milford. Amen? Amen just means yes. So whenever you say yes, it means amen. So you're allowed to say amen. You're allowed to get excited, right? I, I love watching the kids. And uh, three months ago, we, we prayed over this building. And when we first began the ministry of the plant, we prayed over this building. And we saw God shifting some things in the supernatural. And three months ago, we did the very same thing. And since those three months, Pastor Andrew would agree, is that something has shifted here in West Milford. And so if you've been part of the plant for the last four months, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. Have you felt the shift? Have you seen the excitement? Have you been excited for what God is doing? Right? God is up to something. And the only way that God is always up to something, it's not by our works, but it's by his presence in our life. And what he wants to do, and our willingness to give God our yes. That's the only way that you accomplish the things of God, is by giving God your yes and aligning yourself with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Think about it this way. The Father sent the Son to die for humanity. Amen? And then he said, I'm going to give you a gift. I have to leave in order for you to receive this gift called the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're going to do even greater things than I. Sounds a little spooky, huh? Right? How many of us want to raise the dead? Anyone? Raise your hand. Seriously? Like three of you, right? How many of you want to see the lame walk? Do I get an amen? How many of you want to see the blind see, right? How many of you want to see those who are sick be healed from their infirmities? Do I get an amen? That's the presence of God. The same presence that lived in Jesus now lives in us. That's the gift. That's the promise. And we as a church, from day one, and we've been accused of speaking way too much about the Holy Spirit, and I will never apologize for that. But what we've learned is that the work of God is only accomplished as we surrender our lives to Jesus and allow his Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives. Amen? Now, there's a tension and this is actually really one of my favorite topics to preach on. Here's why. I'm an experienced guy. Who's an experienced person out there? Who likes the big wow? Anyone like the big wow? No? Some of you just like the progress. Some of you just kind of like going day to day to day. Well, I'm one of those guys, and I will come down in here and wake you all up. Right? I'm one of those guys that, that lived for the moment. I loved riding motorcycles. I loved doing those kind of things. I, I love those moments. I loved when I was a young guy and my brothers would make me have to do big things like go cliff jumping. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. And they'd be like, go. And they would push me off. I love those moments. But what I've learned 
about the importance of the relationship with the Holy Spirit is what I'm going to talk about today. Too many people come to church, and you're going to get excited. I'm going to jack you up today. You are going to be so excited, and you're going to be like, I want that. And then Monday comes, and there's this, so how's it going to play out? How's this going to work out? And what I want to teach you today, today's a very teaching morning. I want to teach you to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life so that whatever's preached on Sunday or in your groups on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is coming to life in your life. Because that's when the joy of following Jesus is lived out. And that's what I want to talk about. What does the sanctified life in and through the Holy Spirit look like? So here's what I want to do. I want to give you permission to take out your phones. Take out your phones. And this doesn't mean go on Facebook or Instagram or any of that stuff. I I want you to do this. I want you to, to call me into question. Every week you have the ability to call us into question. I want you to take pictures of the slides. That way this week you can go home and say, what did Pastor Rob mean by that? What did Galatians 5, 20, 25 really mean? What was it when he was talking about being dot, dot, dot? I want you to take these pictures so that this feeds into what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life this week. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, here is my prayer. Each one of us is here for a reason. You had promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. And I want to thank you for how you have done an amazing work in so many people's lives. God, I I look around the room, and I've been able to have Jersey part of my life for the last 10 years, seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. For John Mitchell, for Lindsay, watching the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. For Ryan and Megan to see the commitment to seeing you accomplish all that you have in store for them. And I ask you today that there would be a a solidifying of your presence and your purpose in each of our lives. And I even ask you this, Holy Spirit, that as I am preaching, that you would do something fresh in me. May I be a learner just like everyone else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to different passages with me, or it will be up here on the screen. And so I'm not used to holding a clicker, so I'm going to do my best to do this. So it says here in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God, he made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. When Paul started writing to the the Corinthians, he took this verse and he talked about three different aspects of sanctification. He talked about salvation in three ways. First, that we have been saved. In other words, Jesus came to give his life for our life. And the theological terminology is this, is justification. And so oftentimes you'll hear about people needing to have salvation. You say, well, I've received salvation, so I've been justified by faith in Christ Jesus. 
Second, we will be saved that one day we will be in eternity with the Father. Amen? And what is that called? Glorification. Now, one thing that we often forget is that we're just going to die and go to heaven and kind of float around like a bunch of angels. That's not how it works. It says that Christ will return and he will build a new heaven and a new earth and we will inherit the new earth once again. And it's a beautiful picture of what humanity will live in in Christ through Jesus. But then there's a third part. And we love the first two parts. We love the idea that we have been saved, right, past tense, that we've had that moment, that we will be saved, that we will be with the Father and with Christ in his presence, meaning future tense, that we will see a glorification. But then there's a present tense, that we are being saved. In other words, the Holy Spirit is doing a supernatural work in our life every single day. And that's called sanctification. That the Holy Spirit is up to something every single day. And so many people get stuck in the past only thinking about that moment when they, when they came to Christ and they had this divine encounter or they're always thinking about the future like this world is horrible, this world is falling apart, everything's going to hell in a handbasket and we're thinking about I just want to get to eternity But the best part of all of this is what he is doing right now. Right now. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, you said, I want to sit under the power and the authority of God so that the presence of God can live in my life to do a new work so that something new and fresh will come in me and through me. And that's called sanctification. And this is the part of faith that I believe the vast majority of people miss out on. The joy of following Jesus every single day. And yes, it's difficult. And yes, it's hard. But there's nothing more beautiful when you see the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the people you love life and in those around you's life. And that's what I believe, that so many people in our Western world have missed out on. And so, let's talk about sanctification. What does sanctification mean? It means that God sets us apart, that we are separated, and we are set apart and separated Just as we see in the Old Testament. Think about in the Old Testament. Who did God set apart? Let's talk about one individual. David. He set David apart for a purpose. Amen? Right? What about a place? He set Jerusalem apart to be the city of God. And then you remember the Ark of the Covenant? He took the Ark of the Covenant and he allowed his presence to live in that Ark all the time, and it was set apart so that when it was open, the presence of God would fill the place. And what happened was that these people, these items, these places were just filled with the Holy Spirit for a particular time, 
in a particular person or a particular place for a particular reason. And then Jesus comes and he says, it doesn't work like that anymore. That was the example that was going to happen in each of your lives all the time. I always say this. God doesn't have his favorites. He has his intimates. Anyone who wants to know Jesus and be known by Jesus has permission. Do I get an amen? And anybody who seeks the Holy Spirit and wants the Holy Spirit will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so everything has shifted. And the apostles and the disciples, got, they got this. And what we see in Scripture in the New Testament is that we have been sanctified. And we are being sanctified. And we're sanctified for two reasons. First, separation to God. It says this in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so we've been separated to God. We are given a new identity. If you know Jesus and you are in Jesus, you are identified as sons and daughters of the Most High. You are no longer called a sinner who sins. You are called a saint who will sometimes sin. Amen? And for me, that was a defining moment. Because I was like, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And one of my mentors said, she said, no, you're not. You have been given a new identity. You have been separated to God to be called a son of God. You do not need to be controlled by your old identity any longer. Isn't it funny right now how the devil... Yes, the devil is attacking identity. There's an identity war going on. There's an identity crisis happening right now in our current world. When we are children of God, we are identified as sons and daughters of him. We are separated for that purpose. But then there's a second thing, that we are set apart from sin. It says here in 1 Peter, it says, But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must, be, you must be holy because I am holy. We no longer have to be controlled by the things and the beliefs that put us in bondage. We no longer have to allow other outside forces or vices to define who we are. We no longer have to be controlled by those things that always call into question our identity as sons and daughters of God. And when you mess up, you don't have to live in that mud anymore. Because the Bible says seven times a man falls, but seven times a man picks himself up. 
What makes a man a man is when they've identified their mess up and they stand up and they keep walking their identity of who they are as a child of God. We have been given two things, a new identity and a new manner how to live. Think about Peter. Peter who wrote these two different verses. We see this. Peter was separated for God. Remember what Jesus said? Simon, today I call you Peter. I was thinking about this this morning as I was going through my notes. Everybody knew Simon as Simon, and then all of a sudden Simon comes back to town like five to six years later, and he's being called Peter. Everyone's like, no, 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 you're Simon. No, 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 I'm Peter. And what that was saying is, I'm not the individual I used to be. I'm a new person. When people see you, and they see the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, do they say, you're different. You're not the same. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something unique taking place in your life. But then it says this, that Jesus set him apart to be holy, to have new purpose. Upon this rock, I will build my church. You no longer are Simon. You are Peter. You no longer are are fishing for fish, but you'll be fishing for men, humanity. And upon you, Peter, you insecure human being as the world has looked at you, you will be the rock in which this church will grow. How amazing is that? And everyone's thinking, Simon? This thing's going to be built upon him? Come on, couldn't you take John? Could you take someone else, Matthew? Like, that dude was really, really smart, right? Think about it. Luke, the dude was a doctor. Come on, Jesus, can't you use a doctor instead of a fisherman? And Jesus said, no, you're going to lead the way. And I believe, I believe oftentimes that we miss out, that we've missed out on the blessing of always thinking about eternity and thinking about our past moment, that we miss out on the joy of who we are as children of God right now. The work of the Holy Spirit in this moment, through all the life's chaos that was thrown at us, that God is doing something fresh and something new. You see, when you look at Scripture and you look at this whole idea of sanctification, we have to ask, how does the Holy Spirit work in the life of a person? He works in it this way. And we see this in Scripture, and we've seen this in all of us. We've had crisis moments. And then the, progress, the progressive movement of the day-to-day life, right? Think about crisis. When was the last time you had a big crisis? Anyone have a, a, a crisis in the last six months? Anyone? Anyone have a crisis in the last two years? Do I get an amen? How many of us have been living in crisis for the last two years? Do I get an amen for that? Right? Seriously, we were all thrown in storm, some form of crisis or crisis. But here's the problem. Too often we think about crisis as just negative. Crisis is both negative and positive. Amen? 
right? If you, won the, if you won the lottery today, would that be a crisis in a good way, right? Forever set financially. That'd be like, what do I do now? How do I handle this? What's the first toy I buy? Have you thought about it? What would be the first toy you would buy? Come on, let's say it. Mine would be a Triumph motorcycle. That's what it would be. All right, all of a sudden you guys are all stirring. Your minds are going all over the place. Mine would be a boat. Mine would be an RV. Mine would be a house. Mine would, okay, let's stop that. So, crisis. Think about the negative crisis. The loss of a job. A relationship gone wrong. Poor life decisions that, that have caused chaos in your life. And it's in those moments and you say, wow, I really do need Jesus. Right? Isn't that, isn't that fair to say that, that, that something negative has happened and you're like, wow, I, I really need to kind of fall back and, into the things of God. I, I need to go back to, where do we need to go back to? Church. That's what everyone says, right? Right? But, but what about the good things? What about the good things? I think we've gotten caught up in our Western mindset so much that we forget what the Old Testament says. The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. The goodness of the Lord leads us into repentance. Have you ever looked at the place you live when you didn't have a house like that? Did you ever think about the job that you've had, how, how God's provided in the midst of a global pandemic? Have you ever seen things in your life and said, wow, God is so good, I want to trust him more? That's what's supposed to happen. The new opportunity presented to you. The awareness that, that, that God is up to something good. And I know in my life, I was so theologically trained that God's always at work in the bad. Let's pull out people's faults. And I'll never forget, this was about eight years ago when I was um, down in Mawa. I spoke on Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Wee little man, the wee little man was he, right? What did he do? He climbed up the what? Sycamore tree for the Lord, his, the God he wanted to see, right? Anyways, I totally messed up that song. But I talked about the goodness of God in the gospel. And Bill Thomas, who's been one of our board members, said, and that's the gospel for Burden County. People need to see the goodness of God around them. They've missed it. They've missed the blessings. And he said, the way that I know that God is in my life is I've seen the goodness of God and I fall on my knees because I can't believe I have all I have because of his goodness. And so, yes, in both of our lives, I came to Jesus because of addictions. And I fell on my knees and said, I'm a broken human being. I've lost everything before life even got started because of poor, dumb decisions I had made. And then I meet this amazing woman, my Susie Q. And I saw her and I said, whoa, God is really good. And she came into my life. And the work of the Holy Spirit when I first came to Christ and then when I met Sue was the same progression that he wanted to do. And I believe this is one of the places where we get stuck. Progressively, God wants to do something every single day. 
Look what it says in Galatians chapter 5. It says this. I'm really bad with this clicker, so just keep following along with my voice rather than the slides. Galatians chapter 5. It says this. Since we are living by the Spirit. Look at that. Present tense. Since we are living by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We don't always have to look for the big crisis, positive or negative. Every single day, Paul points out, because you are living in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, so the Spirit of God can lead you and guide you into all righteousness. That's Bible. That's Scripture. And so every single day, as you're going throughout your life, as you're going throughout your routine, this morning, making the bed, this morning, putting away the dishes, this morning, pouring coffee, this morning, waking up to young adults, God is up to something. Amen? When you go to work, the Holy Spirit wants to be up to something. He doesn't just show up on Sunday mornings. This is not the Ark of the Covenant. Say this, I, say it with me, I, I. say it nice and loud, I, I, I am the Ark of the Covenant. I. That sounds weird, but think about this. The Ark of the Covenant, what did it hold? The presence of God. We are the new Ark, and the Spirit of God lives in us. How cool is that? You remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like, that was freaky. People's faces melting off and weird things like that. That's not what we have to do to people. We get to give them the joy of the Lord. Every time we show up, every time we open our mouths, every time we're present, every time we get to step into difficulties. I'll say this. During the last two years, my wife and I went for a walk right before the pandemic happened. And I started crying. I said, I don't know how this thing's going to play out. This could get really, really messy. I said, but whatever it is, God's up to something good, and we have to lean in. I'll say this. The last two and a half years have been some of the hardest years of our life, but it's been his best work. His best work. His best work. His best work. Decisions being made. Hard conversations happening. And yet, he was showing up all the time. In our church, we saw healings during COVID. We got to pray over a woman on the phone who had COVID and was about to literally die. And the Spirit of God healed her over the phone. That's wacky. But that's awesome. How awesome is that? People coming to faith. Last summer, we baptized like 10 or 10 plus people. It was awesome. The Spirit of God was saying, in this World gone wrong, if you lean into me, if you walk with me, if you are in my spirit, I will continue to do my work. Amen? And so, I love what A.B. Simpson says in The Larger Christian Life. He says this, We do not grow into sanctification, but grow from sanctification into maturity. Sanctification is not something that we we strive to achieve, 
But sanctification is the process, the theological terminology for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you will grow into the person that God has intended you to be. How awesome is that? That's the whole process. His whole goal is that we would grow into maturity. To know that we are sons and daughters of God. And to live in the fullness of who we are. To no longer be controlled by our old nature or the things we did but rather be the people that we were created to be and become. Maturity in the life of the believer is the Holy Spirit's objective. Maturity. That's the whole part. That's the key role. As we're studying the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of different things, but the key objective, whether it's unity as a church, whether it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, All of it is for one thing, that you would grow in your identity as sons and daughters of God. Pretty simple. And yet, it's been the hardest part for people to walk into. So, why? Why do so few Christians experience the fullness of Christ through sanctification? Why? Why is it so hard for us? What is that thing that trips us up? What is that thing that that causes us to fall? Where is that thing that that we we look back and said, why did I give into that once again? Here, let me give you a few. Ignorance. Acts chapter 19.3, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Wow. I think one of the biggest problems with the Holy Spirit is people are are ignorant, not like capital I, but lowercase i, meaning they have no clue. How does the Holy Spirit work? We've missed it. And so because we've missed it, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he has intended for him to do in us. And it's not your fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. You've trusted shepherds. Have the shepherds led the sheep properly? And for us, we realize that if we don't lead you into understanding the work of the Holy Spirit, you'll never allow the Holy Spirit to fully be lived out in your life. Two, sin. Yes, Ephesians 4.30 talks about don't grieve, don't sorrow the Spirit of God. Yes, when you sin and you make bad choices and you do things that are opposed to God, it's almost like the Holy Spirit's like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going to do what you expect me to do because you are choosing to abuse the work of God in you. And it stifles it. And we bring sorrow to God. I remember when I have repented multiple times in my journey of faith. And I've just wept. And I could almost feel the presence of God weeping with me like, man, you've taken the long road. You didn't have to take the long road. You didn't have to journey in the desert for 40 years. You didn't have to. I've wanted to journey with you all along. Three, fear. Well, what does this mean? Am I going to have to pick up and move to Africa? Remember, back in the day, everyone was afraid they were going to be like, have to be missionaries to overseas, Right? Fear, what's going to happen? Is it going to change my personality? Am I going to become boring? 
do I seem boring? Huh? Like, seriously, like, this is me the moment I wake up. Hey, 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 right? Scatterbrain, 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 right? No, I will say this. When I first came to Christ, I was like, Lord, what am I going to do on weekends? That's literally what I asked him. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what I used to do on weekends. I've had more fun being a follower of Jesus than when I wasn't a follower of Jesus. I've had more excitement in my life as I've walked with Jesus than when I didn't walk with Jesus. And I believed the lie that Christians are no fun. What a lie from the pit of hell. What a lie from the pit of hell. When we go to weddings, people are like, what's wrong with your minister? What's wrong with your minister? We're celebrating. We're having a party. We're the first on the dance floor. We're the last ones off. Right? No one should party hardier than Christians. Amen? Amen. What did he just say? Where are we going with this? No one should have more fun in life than those who are followers of Jesus. We just do it in a mature way. We just do it in a mature way. That's it. What else? Apathy. Lack of desire. These things hold us back. We get bogged down with the busyness of life and the busyness of church and serving for all the wrong reasons. And when you serve with the wrong reasons, yes, you will become apathetic. And you will lose your desire for what the work that God wants to do in your church. But when you find joy and you get to see people coming to faith all the time, that keeps you jacked up, excited. We planted the plant in Mawa. The first seven years, 70% of the people were people we led to Jesus. How fun is that? How fun is that? We got crazy. People were just kind of coming to faith all the time. And it was a blast. Seeing lives changed is a blast. This past Thursday in a prayer session, seeing someone set free from the demonic and strongholds, that's a blast. Seeing people like go beyond who they ever thought they could ever be or hope, dream, or imagine, that's a blast. How awesome is that? The sanctified life should be one of the most amazing journeys when you literally say, I'm going to walk and learn to live in the Spirit of God. And so, what does a sanctified life look like? And I'm going to try to wrap this up really quickly. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, let me go back. Jesus said, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Say it again. You can do what? A little louder. You can do what? Nothing. Nothing. You will never live your full God-given potential. The reason why you were created in your mother's womb, you will never experience that fullness of life apart from the things of Jesus. You will only experience it in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, when his Holy Spirit lives lives in you and moves in you. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. When you attach yourself, when you engraft yourself to me, I allow my holy sap, my holy lifeblood 
the Holy Spirit to live in you, producing fruit and growing you into maturity. This is what the Christian life is about. Jesus did not come to have people say a magical prayer. He came that you would be called sons and daughters of God. That you would be separated as a holy people, a holy nation, foreigners to this world, aliens to this world, strangers to this world. And everyone's like, I kind of like that better than what I see over here. I will say this. I say this very humbly. I never believed the Spirit of God would do it in much as me as he has accomplished. I had learning disabilities, like unbelievable. I had addictions, maybe like some of you. I was the most insecure human being on the face of the earth. And the Holy Spirit said, give me your life. Let me do it. Let me. Let me. And I had to believe the words of Jesus. I must depart so I can give you a new advocate. So you're not just praying to me as I sit at the right hand of the Father, but rather this, that as you pray to me, I will give your presence to you and he will live in you and indwell in you and change your life forever. I can tell a lot of stories to a lot of people, but when I see what God has done in me, it makes me want to run after him more. Because if he's done this in the last 30 years, what's he going to do in the next 30? If, if, and when I position myself for the work of the Holy Spirit to be accomplished in my life. That's when everything that happens on Sunday gets translated to Monday. That's when. That's when. I want to talk about four simple steps, and I'm just going to run through them because it's not what we do, it's what he does. How? How do we begin this work in us? How do some of us just say, I, I've done this before, but, but it's, like, it's, like a st- it's like a start, stop, stop, start. It comes and goes. This is a relationship with the living God. It's a relationship with the living God. We do it by simply this. We recognize that Christ gave himself that we would be sanctified. He gave himself so we would be sanctified, set apart and made holy. Two, that we would repent of our self-effort and self-centeredness. Three, that we would receive by faith the fullness of God, of, of the Holy Spirit. We would receive by faith the gift of God, the Holy Spirit. And fourth, we would remain in Christ by walking daily in the Spirit. Does this mean you're never going to mess up? Of course you're going to mess up. You're human, right? We're human. But again, seven times a person falls. Scripture says seven times that person picks themselves up. 
Why? Because they recognize in their falling, they just need more of Jesus. More of Jesus. More of Jesus. And so, we recognize that's Christ's gift. We repent of our self-efforts. We receive the Holy Spirit. And then we say, hell or high water. I will remain in Jesus by the presence of God. And when the good things happen, I rejoice. And when the bad things happen, I rejoice. Because God uses all things for his good and his glory in your life so he gets the honor and praise. Amen? Amen. That's what the sanctified life looks like. And yes, we need moments. We need moments. And moments aren't bad. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you. If you are in this place and you say, I want the sanctified life, I want you to do one of two things. One, I just want you to say, I need it. Do you need this? Anyone need it? Okay. I want you, we're going to do two different things. If you just say, hey, I'm going to sit in my seat, and I'm going to ask the person that I came with to pray over me, you're going to pray over each one of them, each of these with you. If you're by yourself, or you're saying, I am broken, and I need, I just, I need to trust someone in this, a few of us are going to be up front. And we want to pray with you. We want you to receive the joy of being a follower of Jesus. Amen? So we're going to have a holy moment. We're going to have a holy moment. And again, if you're comfortable saying, I can just do this in my seat, great. But if you need that touch, someone coming alongside you who will pray for you and pray over you, I want you to come forward. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.